You are now listening to Hack My Age, the show that brings you guests with information on how to make yourself hard to kill and help you live to 100 and beyond in good condition. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a digital nomad currently stuck in Spain, certified sports nutrition coach and master student of gerontology at USC. I am the creator of the Longevity Master Plan, an online program to slow aging and author of the cookbook, Eating for Longevity. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to help others find us too. Welcome to the Hack My Age Zoom call, actually a podcast. (laughs) So today we're talking with certified fitness instructor and sports nutrition coach, Andrea Ivaneco. I have to tell you a little bit about him because it's quite impressive. If you are watching this Zoom call, you will see all of these certifications behind him. And I'm just going to read a couple of them off because they're quite commendable. In 2018, I think we deserve a big round of applause for you for winning the men's physique overall. You were the overall winner at the WNBF. And I was like, what is this? World Natural (laughs) Bodybuilding Federation. I like that word natural. The WNBF Hercules. So that is a good, that to me got some bonus points. You're NASM certified as a personal trainer, performance enhancement specialist, women's fitness specialist. Great. So you're qualified to talk about women now (laughs) Um, because Andrea is a man. Okay, so CHFI, yes, <laughs> clean, clean health fitness institute, like that per- performance nutrition coach and a strength system international coach, NSPA uh, certified, which is the National Sports Performance Association. You're certified in weightlifting performance. Um, as well as sports nutrition and program design. Precision nutrition, yay, that's me. I'm also certified in that, so love that. EXOS, Energy Systems Development Specialist, and a part, also certified by the Polycon Group. So is he qualified enough? <laughs> I think so. You certainly invested a lot of time and money in your education. I'm sure you're now practicing with your fitness clients. So I'm really excited to introduce you Correct. to Andrea, yeah, and I'm 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 was excited because he appeared on a podcast that I did on autoimmunity. You can I just say the words out of your mouth? If correct me if I'm wrong, you said that was the best podcast of the year, and you learned more in thirty. Yes, minutes. indeed. Yeah, about autoimmunity than you did from the doctors that you've been seeing, and I have to say that was the biggest compliment. And thank you so much. And so. I am what checked you out, found out what you are, who you are, what you're doing, and I wanted to investigate a bit more. And so today we're talking about absolutely, yeah, after we're talking about um, muscle mass, how to build it, how to keep it for the rest of our lives, and the importance of it. So, without further ado, welcome Andrea. <laughs> Thank you so much, and. Thanks for inviting me. It's an extremely honor to be part of it, especially because I was able to witness this podcast about how to immune that it was fabulous. So the more information I can gather, the better I feel. As you were mentioning before, yes, certification matter, but I think it ne- it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Like what I do for a living is something that will never have an end line in terms of education. The more you learn, the more you want to learn, the more and more and more. It's never going to end. That's what really keeps me enjoying what I do because just being for example in this podcast I know that I'm gonna end up learning something out of it and mm-hmm. this is what I learn every day with practicing with my clients 
that in my opinion, they are the best certification I can get. Like literally have hands on with real case study because the book, like other research are basically creating certain type of criteria while working one-on-one and experiencing what people are going through is what really makes me happy and able to change other people's lives based on those previous experiences. Oh, it's awesome. I absolutely agree with you. Learning nonstop and even about autoimmunity, not, I know you don't have it, but you were looking at for investigating for someone else and it just shows how deep you can go to learn and educate yourself in order to help others. So well done. I I do believe it's fundamental. You know, we, we live in a society where, as we were spoken before, there's so much information out there. I feel like it's really confusing because if you're not a specialist in the field, it's really easy to get information from A, from B, from C, D, and you end up not knowing exactly what works or what's not, or what is most specific for what, that case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I believe that this is one of the main issue of women being afraid of lifting weights or doing things in a certain way with the idea of becoming too masculine, getting too big, because there are not probably well explained situation where you don't necessarily get masculine. You don't necessarily gain 20 pounds of muscle overnight. It's not possible. Yeah. So what does it take? Like, just give us a It's not possible. So for the women who are afraid of bulking up, this is what I get all the time when I recommend strength training or lifting heavy things. I don't want to bulk up and look like that. So give us an example. What would it really take to bulk up like that? Okay. Number one, we need to explain what bulk up means because bulk up is basically an increase in muscle size. And not all the time these bulk up come only with muscle, mm-hmm. but there's also an increase in body fat mass mm-hmm. because it requires a surplus in caloric intake. So in order to actually gain muscle, we do need to be in a caloric surplus. Mm-hmm. And most of women are not even close to eat in their maintenance level. Okay, let's talk about somebody going so, into a bodybuilding such a competition. Okay, because that's what I'm, I'm imagining they're talking about when they say- Absolutely. What are, how many calories are they eating? Correct. It's totally, it, it, I cannot give you a specific number because it's depending too many by the individual, height, weight, previous experience, the weight, their genetic is. So I had female clients that they were eating in their gaining mass phase around 22, 2,500 calories and bring them down to 1,500. So- this is really important to make you understand also how metabolism adapt to so the wait, caloric intake. I understood. You're, so the women who are trying to bulk up, let's say, get lots of muscle mass, they yes. are eating 2,500 calories, and, or one example, and you would bring them down to 1,500? Well, to give an idea in what is a contest prep, right? So we have an off-season prep that is the phase where we are building mass based on the specific body and based also in what category you want to compete in. Because mm-hmm. each category requires different area, mm-hmm. different specs, okay? So if we took one of the most wanted category, that is the bikini, where basically you still have a fit body, but it's not as developed as a figure or bodybuilding body, okay? We have an initial phase where we need to increment the size of certain muscle groups. Mm-hmm. And then we have a phase that is the contest prep phase, where we are dieting. So the idea of bodybuilding as just dieting is wrong. The dieting happen when we achieve a certain look. Then we start dieting down until we get as lean as we need. Because people think also that you need to get Uh completely a 3% body fat. No, 
that is parameters, okay? And in the bikini, you don't need to get a 3% body fat. That would be dangerous. In the moment we get to the, it will be like there are cases where there are bodybuilding where you really get single digit, but we are talking about cases that you are doing this in a professional way. It's not the amateur that does one show here and there. So we're talking about really specific cases. So the idea of going from 2,500 to 1,500 doesn't happen overnight either. Okay. It is a gradual... Yeah. Okay. So I got a little bit off track because I understood you when you to build and bulk up, you train massively, you eat massively. So I didn't realize you're actually also. I don't want to say massively because that's the other things that the people need. No, as long as we're in a caloric surplus and obviously there needs to be a specific. Eating more means that if your maintenance calories, 2000 calorie in order to eat more than you consume, you need to add at least 500 calories surplus. Okay. So let's. This is once again, is a specific case. Yeah, let's back up a little bit because we're, we went straight into the bodybuilding, um, but I wanted to sort of debunk a little bit of why, you know, women should be exercising and doing some strength training and it doesn't have to get Correct. to that bodybuilding fitness level. Exactly. So tell us in the beginning, okay, why is it important to gain muscle and muscle mass for women? I- particularly over 40, what's going on? And this is something that I think we can absolutely relate also with male as well. We all want to avoid one thing, sarcopenia. Yeah. That is basically the loss of muscle mass, okay? This is happening depending also on your activity level. And usually start around the age of 30. So from 30 and up, things start to going down, unfortunately. Obviously, it depends by your lifestyle, your activity level, if you have chronic illness. So there are a lot of factors that are basically determine when and how the level of your sarcopenia is going to be. You will notice that there are a lot of women that they're being active their entire life. And when I say active, I'm not talking about bodybuilding or any type of active, can be hiking, biking, swimming, anything, okay? That they arrived at ages like 60 or 70 with still a lot of lean body mass and they look like 20 years younger than they appear. And probably- And I've been doing a lot of research. because Correct. they're they have the mobility. Flex is an overall concept where fitness doesn't necessarily just be bodybuilding or CrossFit or this. Mm-hmm. It is an overall compile of things when it can be associated with yoga, it can be associated with flexibility training. Cardiovascular training is another component that is absolutely fundamental yes. to have a long-lasting life. Okay, so these are the main reasons why, in my opinion, women should not avoid strength training until maybe they realize that they start having chronic pain, joint pain, because probably it's going to be too late to going back. Yes. Why? So I want women to to start seeing fitness as a preventive. What do you mean when you say late to go back? I'll give you an example. Let's create a case study that is much easier to understand. If you are, for example, a woman that work a nine to six desk job, maybe already has two kids, that's to me is considered a sedentary lifestyle. So you're going to have muscle imbalances that are going to reflect in the future other problems, Such back as- pain, knee pain, anything. And people think that the only way to avoid this problem is getting massages. But re- we need to remember that muscle tightness, most of the time, if not always, is connected with muscle weakness. Muscle tightness is connected with muscle weakness. A muscle that is tight, what is a tight muscle? It's a muscle that is short, so it's weak. Yes. I'm not saying that you clearly, obviously get tight muscle when you overuse it. Yeah. But when you receive an external force and your muscle is not ready for it, it gets tight. It's a, it's a sign to tell you, look, I'm weak, help me. And that's what happens most of the time when people have low back pain 
weaker glutes, weaker core. I bet a lot of people listening to this call are thinking, yes, I also have back pain. I have knee pain. I have hip pain, all that stuff. And you say it's irreversible or is it? No, no, no. I, I just want, it's definitely, it's def clearly, it depends also for how long you've been having that pain. Because I give you an example that I have a lot of cases of people with herniation on the L5S1. That is the classical disc herniation. The herniation doesn't happen in one day. It's an accumulation of bad movement pattern due to weakness yeah. on the spinal flexion, correct? If you've been doing a certain movement pattern for 20 years, yeah. you're not going to be able to reverse that in five weeks or six weeks challenge Yes, because right. your body adapted to that. Yeah. You can fix it absolutely with proper strength training. That's good to know. So That's my message is more about seeing fitness as a preventive tool to live better and avoid certain things that not necessarily are not going to happen in another way. But if I know that I can prevent certain things and feel better, I will certainly do it. I used to say prevention is better than the cure. Don't wait till it's broken absolutely. before you fix it. So absolutely. And I agree. Yes. It's always so much easier to move forward when you are aging, when you already have a good condition. Then the reason why, one of the reasons why women need to focus on building muscle and getting that strength is to one, avoid the sarcopenia or the muscle wasting as we age. And that can happen, you know, with a sedentary lifestyle. Then my next question is how then would you approach an older woman who wants to build muscle, who's been sedentary most of their lives uh, to get started? How, what kind of a training do they need to do? Excellent, excellent question. So first thing first, each individual is different. So the way I will approach you compared to Magdalena will probably be different because you both have probably different backgrounds, different experiences, injuries, anything. Number one, I will need to check their cardiovascular fitness. Why? Because if your heart and lungs don't work properly, nothing else is on our work either. Mm. If you, for example, are short of breath in walking up the stair, we need to work on it. Mm -hmm. even before we make sure that you can do 20 repetition on a squat, because that's your ability to recover and bring oxygen to your body. Second, I will ask you, what is your goal? Because that's what other thing that people forget is your specific goal. What do you want to get out of this experience? Mm -hmm. Do you want to just train to feel better, to be able to go on a hike every two weeks, to do a professional bodybuilding competition? Mm -hmm. Like that is the specific case. And the type of training that I will apply to that specific person. But absolutely, I will keep everything really basic. Movement pattern that we are doing every day. When you sit on a chair, you are squatting. When uh, you pick up a pen from the floor, you are deadlifting. When you're flying and you put your backpack in the cabin, you're doing an overhead press. So there are certain movement patterns that you don't connect with the exercise. Yes. But those are the ones that you can play when you brush your hair. Like there are movements that you're doing every day, but you just don't want to connect it with something that if I make it harder at the gym, it becomes easier in normal life. Yes, absolutely. This is actually what I'll never forget the luggage carry exercise I did in the gym with a great trainer in Thailand. And he made me carry two heavy weights, one on each side. And he says, just right. carry. farmers carries. <laughs> so whenever I pick up my luggage at the airport, not that I've done it recently, I always think of it <laughs> and I try to brace think my about growing, <laughs> pick it up. Exactly. Easy, think easy. about going to the grocery store, right? <laughs> Yes. When you carry two heavy bags full of food, that's a farmer carry. So if I can create that same stress in the gym that is a safer environment with more load, that means that when you go to the grocery store, you're going to start dancing with your shopping bag. 
<laughs> so that's the goal of training that people don't see is to improve your daily activity. It's the same thing for an athlete to improve their strength at the gym so they can perform better in the field. How many? That's the entire goal of training. So then how many of your clients come to you and say, I would like to, yeah, prevent aging on how many would say, I just want to look good. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> All of them want to look good. It doesn't matter age. Actually, also the older one, and I'm talking about 70 plus, they all come at the end of the day inside all of us. There is that percentage that despite whatever other specific goal you have, they say, I want to look good. Hey, we're all so vain. It's they have, you know, <laughs> they want to reduce fat on the belly area. There is a lot of components. It's totally normal to have. It's, it's what motivates and, and I do believe that the more, yes, and the more honest you are, the easier it is to achieve to that goal. That goal. Yeah. Because if you have that goal sitting in the back of your head, and you just, after six months or a year, tell to your coach that that was your realistic goal, you wasted a year of training. Yeah, you're right. So <laughs> it is, and I want to say something to go back to the reason why women should also do strength training. Because remember one thing, the more muscle, lean body mass we add, the more your metabolism go up because it needs to work harder to maintain the muscle mass. So we're burning what? More fat. Yep. So do you see how many outcome you have? Not necessarily to create a... 200 pound lean body mass, but in just in the idea of engaging towards a path that is going to have different other positive outcomes. Yes, absolutely. I have to say this is uh, most of my clients come to me the same thing. They just want to lose weight. They want to burn belly fat. And we, I have to respect their desires. I like to advertise that my coaching services are about slowing aging and let's um, pre preventative, um, let's boost the immune system. But unfortunately, that's not what people want right now. They want it when they're sick. But the good thing is that once they come to me and I explain a little bit about some of the side benefits, the side effects, all the great things that are going to happen when they go on this journey, even if it's just to burn belly fat, I think it starts to become a little bit clearer and they dial in and saying, Hey, you know what? I don't have that back pain anymore. I don't, you know, I wake up refreshed in the morning. I, I came to you to burn belly fat and I've got more energy or I feel great. Or that's, I think as health coaches, that's what we kind of do. We, we share this information with people as they go along and, and they do eventually see all these other benefits. But what brings us to the gym is we want to look good naked. And even if we're 70, I guess that was, that was interesting that you're, some of your clients are. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with that because you have no idea how happy makes me feel when I see someone with low self-esteem due to the way they look, also if I think that they already look great, gaining that confidence after several months of training and proper eating, creating better habits, mm -hmm. the that percentage of extra self-esteem translate to everything else better, better work relationship, better house relationship with their husband, wife, kids, better way of displaying themselves in a business meeting it, it is that's why for how much people might think oh my that's superficial it's not it's not superficial because there's that mindset component that is going to affect 20 other things in your life yeah so you see is a chain effect where like you were saying before you want to market yourself as you know longevity health preventive but what the only thing they see is the idea belly fat mm -hmm. so it's okay because at the end of the day, when you train with me, either I call it belly fat, muscle burning, you're going to do what I say to do. You're going to have all of these outcomes, but we are going to do what I think is right for you and proper in order to get what you really want to achieve. Absolutely. Because if you, if you train 
sleep, eat specific to your health, the outcome of looking better is going to be just a consequence. I have had um, clients who got promotions at work after they've gotten to the body composition that they've wanted. So it's, um, it's much, you're absolutely right. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's much deeper than what uh, it seems. So I want to ask you a little bit about your women clients who are trying to build muscle mass. Some of your experience, I know they're all maybe different, but maybe you can give us some case studies. Is there something specific that women should know about that's different than men when it comes to building muscle mass? Is there hormone issues or okay. obstacles? That's another beautiful question. So, Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Hack My Age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. Realistically, we know that Physiologically, men and women are different. And when it comes to muscle mass, there's a lot of factors that they can determine the rate of muscle gain in both sex. The fiber type genetic is something that people keep wanting to not talk about it, but it's fundamental. Mm-hmm. And obviously the hormone panel. We know that men produce testosterone, women estrogen and progesterone. There are a lot of studies actually saying that estrogen and progesterone are great anti-catabolic hormones. Mm-hmm. So in my personal experience, I actually had women getting way stronger and more muscly than men, but not because of this physiological part, just because they were training harder mm. and they were more consistent. So I don't think, and I never did a major separation between men and women. I just think that the major factor is consistency in mm. both sex. I'm not going to do a specific exercise for male or an any specific exercise for female. All I know because of experience and research, women can recover it a little bit faster than men. So their probability training density is going to be a little bit higher than men. But other than that, I don't really treat women differently than men. Do you see any difference? Training is training. In, um, in, in pain tolerance or complaining or are women any different than men? Okay, so I do believe that that's something a little bit subjective because I do have women that I don't have idea how they can tolerate so much training. And I have men that they actually can tolerate as much volume as the women. So I noticed that women are a little bit hardcore, the men sometimes in pain tolerance when it comes to train intensity, but also there is case to case. I have men that are unstoppable, like women that are unstoppable. It's also depending, in my opinion, of their willingness to get to the goal and knowing that you need to work hard towards it. There is no shortcut. There is no magic pill. There is no waist trainer. There is no magic tea. You need to work hard. No mm-hmm. matter what you do in life, that ethic needs to be there, mm-hmm. working hard. And that doesn't mean doing seven times a week workout for three hours. It means planning properly with your recovery, how much food you're eating, because that's another section that I think is even more important in training, food. And as we all know, a lot of women are afraid of eating. Yep. And I have cases, and if you want, I can share it later with you, where women were thinking to eat healthy, and their healthy means 60 to 75 grams of carbohydrates a day. And I brought them up to 300, Mm -hmm. 300. Yay. And they lost. (laughs) Body fat, again, muscle. With their carbs. Okay, so. (laughs) We can have our carbs. But absolutely. And, And the thing is, obviously, every woman is different. But in a general rule, you need to understand the energy system, yeah. how the body uses the food. 
That's what metabolism is, is the breaking down of food. So if you understand what carbs are for, what proteins are for and what fats are for, you want to train hard with no carbs. Mm -hmm. What your body is going to use? It's going to start sparing protein. Yeah. Protein first. So that's what I'm saying is important that we can... The carbs are... So the body would use protein over fat for fuel if you have, if you are in a high i give an example let's take the ketogenic diet that is really trending now right most of the people are not actually following ketogenic because they are high protein high fat and low carbs yeah. while a real ketogenic diet should be moderate protein really low fibrous carbs and really really high fat if you keep the protein too high compared to fat your protein is, your your body is going to start use protein to extract glucose but we need the protein to repair the muscle tissue. So in that case, we are not going to be able to grow lean body mass. Because the body- Then it's different when you actually use, because the, the first energy source that your body uses is carbs, ATP, okay? So the food you get. Then you start using the glycogen that you have in your muscle, in your liver. And slowly by slowly, when you start depleting, so when you are in a really probably high deficit diet, absolutely, then you start using the fat in the adipose tissue. Okay. And I saw literally with my eyes, it never fails. Every woman that comes to me, with a poor caloric intake, the moment that we bring up the protein intake and the carbon intake, according with their training, they are losing body fat and building muscle mass. So we need to eat if you're training. I mean, we're not talking about bodybuilder training. We're talking about just normal. No, I'm talking, normal training? I'm talking like a, a normal, let's, I don't want to use the word normal or abnormal because yeah. it's really bodybuilding are totally normal. But as somebody that just want to get that fit body and you want to create a body recomposition, body recomposition is something that you might be able to maintain your same body weight, but you're changing your body composition. So your body fat mass is being reduced and your lean body mass is being increased. Nothing to look freaky or extravascular or anything that you should be not, okay? So we're talking about three to maximum four times a week of training. If you want to perform at the gym, if you go to the gym without energy, you're not going to create enough stimulus to the muscle to grow. So you see how everything works together? Yes. And I have to say, I'm happy to hear about the carbs because I find also with my clients who, women particularly who want to go on the keto diet and they don't last very long because they miss their carbs. And I'm talking about carbs from fruit and from certain vegetables. And, you know, we're not talking about cookies or anything like that. We're just women there because of their hormones as well. We tend to have a more of a demand for, for carbs than men. So it's good to hear that we can train, we can eat our carbs. You were talking about calorie deficit and calorie surplus. So tell me, what is it? What if one of your clients wants to do the intermittent fasting? Because that's another thing that people seem to always want to try. And what if they're training pretty hard at the gym? I mean, or they want this just general body, good body composition, and they go fast on say 18, 618 or 16.8, whatever, kind of a more- Yeah, the most common one, 18.6, yeah. Really, yeah, daily. Absolutely excellent. So uh, once again, I not against any type of approach because at the end of the day, what I care the most is that you stick with something. So Mm -hmm. if- you personally, for example, like the idea of intermittent fasting, because you can stick with it, go for it. If you can work out in an intermittent, in a fasted phase, go for it. What I'm more concerned about it is to stick with your specific goal. Okay. So if your overall goal is fat loss, the 18.6 might work because it helps you to reduce, to reduce overall the caloric intake because you only have six hours to eat. And if, especially if you train closer to where you start eating, it could work. This is my personal experience and other studies I did that that's the best in order to preserve lean body mass. Simply because me personally, I found it really challenging to squeeze all of my food in six hours 
because number one, I don't have a schedule that allows me to eat that way. Second, I never had any problem in eating my meals the way I do. And I also noticed that any of my female, male, older, younger clients, they are able to manage their meal in a more spread out way. Also, because if you think about it, we kind of fast already in a circadian mode where if you have dinner between seven to eight and you wake up at eight, that's already a 12 hour fast. Mm -hmm. So me personally, I'm asking myself, why do I need to fast even longer knowing that I'm feeling good right now? The feedback that comes from the client for me is fundamental. So if they like the idea of fasting, absolutely. Maybe in certain cases, I had clients having a carb load the night before. So for dinner, I loaded with carbs. So when they wake up in the morning, automatically their appetite is not really high. They're able to maybe drink a coffee and go to train and then having a meal after. But once again, is there is not enough specific research regarding this, if it's right or bad. When it comes to intermittent fasting, for me, it's really personal on what you prefer. It might work better for people with slow metabolism, with a slower metabolism, because it helps them to be more strict. But me personally, I don't really have at the moment any client trying intermittent fasting. I'll explain you why. I had one client that tried intermittent fasting due to her schedule. She was a doctor and didn't go so well because she was training during her fast and the energy level was, I don't want to use the word awful, but it wasn't there. So no energy, no quality of training, no muscle increase, actually increasing cortisol. Now I'm surprised that your clients, because it's such a, a fad right now and everybody seems to want to do it to lose weight. So they are all trying that. In, in my case, I want longevity genes to be activated. I want autophagy. I want all these other benefits. But because I train, I, 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 I tend to be an overtrainer, um, just moving constantly. And I, um, I have to say I was in my best condition in terms of body composition when I was fasting just twice a week on the yoga days or a recovery day or low action. So, but that's, you see, that's a great point because all of my clients on their non-training days. So when I say non-training days, I'm talking about cardio only, regenerative yoga, meditation. I reduce automatically their calories, yeah. specifically from carbohydrates. Did you see that somehow the things are kind of related where I don't necessarily need them to fast, but if that works for you in terms of restricting your calories, it's okay. Mm-hmm. My main concern is that when you have an important caloric intake, a busy schedule, and you need to fit only one meal where you need to put 150 gram of protein in one meal. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. clearly if you don't do anything for the next eight hours, so your body has time to digest it probably works perfectly. But if I have to train after an hour of my huge meal, my body will be more concerned about digesting the food and pulling all of the blood into my intestine instead of putting towards my muscle. So it's really subjective. I don't feel the need to do it. So some of your clients, if they were to intermittent fast, let's say 16-8 or 18-6, more or less, and they're training pretty, pretty hard, I'd say four times a week, like you said, and they don't have the calories because the problem with like, well, the problem or the great thing about intermittent fasting is that is a reduction in calories because you're trying to fit it Correct. in windows. So people can say, oh, yay, I can eat whatever I want or as I like in general, <laughs> it's gone overboard and they can still sit in that caloric window. But what's going to happen to the person who does that and they train hard and they're not fueling their body and they keep those calories low and they're training hard. To me, well, as I mentioned before, definitely is really challenging to preserve your lean body mass unless you're really focused on getting those calories in. Because no matter what, you're going to be in a caloric deficit. And 
yes, you're in a caloric deficit, but what macronutrients you're really below during that, that fasting. I had a lot of clients also doing Ramadan. What we were doing is to plan accordingly their training at nighttime right before breaking their fast. Why before? Because, the because time. then what happened? Because then you can load your muscle with nutrients because they have that section where they can literally go and eat. But the problem is you're not going to be able, specifically in that specific case, to select and pick and do macros because you're coming from a full day of not drinking water and eating. The last thing you want to do is calculating macros. So I do think that, but you see in that specific case is a short period of time in the long year period. It's doable. A lot of my male clients lost a lot of weight, but their performance is good as well. I mean, when you say lose weight, are we talking about muscle mass? Well, that's the thing is that it, (laughs) it was a mix of both. Remember also when you're dieting, for a bodybuilding show, like in my case, where I went from 184 pounds to 161. Yes, I went to 5% body fat, but I did also lost a little bit of lean body mass. Okay, so a little bit the size goes with it. I personally think that once again, if your goal is strictly fat loss, intermittent fasting might be a good strategy. But me personally, I like to go for the easy Weigh first and see if it works. And not necessarily means eating five to six meals a day. It can be just three. Like whatever works for you is the most fundamental key to get to your goal. Because if I force you to do things that you don't want to do, you're not going to do it. You're going to start skipping meals. Then you're going to end up binging. Yeah. And that's how you're not going to get to your goal. Okay. So I have clients that, you know, like fasting. So we've got, I've got a ton of questions on food, but I think we're going to have to have a part two. We've got 10 minutes Probably. left. I want to ask Andalena or, you know, what any questions you have and you want to give to Andrea. Oh, let me ask you to unmute. I don't know why I need to ask. I sent you one question regarding the protein shake and B- BCAA and tamin. Maybe what can be your suggestion? shake or to take all together or only one thing okay so let's be clear so supplementation for me comes in second place why because first i want to focus on see if you can get it. all of your nutrients coming from a whole food okay so if you for example i tell you magdalena you in order to achieve this goal your protein intake should be 120 grams of protein if you're able to get in all of this protein from food at that point you don't need supplementation you have enough protein from from all food enough amino acid that comes from your protein sources so you're saving a lot of money and you feel good. So you supplementation can't necessary. Wow. No. Because you know I'm supplementation. 55. I'm 55 and I think that I don't eat a lot because I'm in my age is already, you know, I have to be careful and I'm intermittent fasting. So I think I should supplement because otherwise I won't well, get all uh, amino acids important for the body. Absolutely, but that's important to know exactly what you're eating at the moment. So for example, Right now, I think your main focus should be to understand how many calories you are currently eating. That's the, your rule number one, because if we don't know how many calories you're eating, you might be in a deficit for a year and you don't even know about it. You're thinking that you're eating healthy, but until you actually know for a fact, you cannot. Maybe you're already eating enough protein. So first, you should take care of knowing exactly what you're eating. And then you, we can start adding supplements. I use whey protein. I don't use amino acid. Why? Because the moment I eat already enough protein through food and protein supplement, I don't need amino acid. They're already inside my whey protein. They're already inside my protein intake. So if there is one supplement that I stopped taking for ages is BCA. Uh-huh. Unless I'm in a really strict caloric intake where I usually 
put BCA in my gallon of water while I do cardio, mainly for the taste. Because when you're really in a strict diet, anything that is a little bit more flavor, you guys keep you happy. So then what- To preserve a little bit of lean body mass. Then you're asking the client to food log. What app or what program do you like to recommend them to use? Well, what I think that has worked really well here in America is MyFitnessPal. Really simple to use. Especially since they added the barcode option where you can literally go to the grocery store, scan every food you put in your car. So when you actually track your food, it gives you exactly that brand with those serving size. Because most of the time you type in ground turkey and you have 25,000 types of ground turkey, raw, cooked. So that's rule number one. I cannot tell you how many calories you will need to eat unless I know exactly what you're eating right now. Mm -hmm. So my rule of thumb is that the first calorie that you will receive is maintenance because we need to see at that determined calorie intake what happened to your body and from there we start but i like to do things one at a time change one variable at a time because if we start changing everything only once we don't know i have known a lot of coaches that they start you already with a huge caloric deficit but what happened when you reach a wall if you already are in the highest caloric deficit you could be there's nothing you can progress you need to go back. So you can do reverse, but you're wasting a lot of time and there's a lot of risk to, you know, oppress your metabolism. So in Magdalena specific case, I think, yes, if you feel like you're not eating enough protein, absolutely you should supplement with protein powder. But do you think if you take too much that there could be some negative effects or? Look, I read so many research because between protein, whey protein and creatine, the fear, the major was kidney, kidney problem, kidney dysfunction. There is no research showing any kidney dysfunction taking protein supplement and or creatine. Actually, I do recommend creatine for women as well, Mm -hmm. post-training, because it helps with muscle recovery and increasing ATP. Obviously, if you tell me, Andrea, I'm only doing five shakes a day, you're missing out a lot of other nutrients that come with whole food. But as of today, I cannot tell you, yeah, protein intake is absolutely bad because... There is no study showing that. I know that a lot of doctors keep feeding this idea to us. It also depends on your genetic, if you had any illness that require more attention, but I never had any cases with that. Never. Do you think that taking creatine every day is a good idea? Because I've heard maybe these are really old studies that you should, fulfill, you should fulfill your body with creatine in one month, uh, sorry, one week completely, and then Yes. the whole month and then you, you have to stop it. Now I don't know. So this there are two techniques usually they're doing. They're doing the loading, the creatine loading. So you do for five days a creatine loading, about 20 grams per day. And then you are taking it only post-training. But you're reducing the dose from 20 to 3 to 5 grams post-workout. I never do the creatine loading. I only do the post-training because I didn't see any differences in the past between doing a loading or not loading. I do believe that a lot of studies are being made also to sell more supplementation because if you think about it, if I do a creatine loading, 20 grams a day for five days, 100 grams are gone. So in two weeks, you need to buy a new container. Mm -hmm. And expensive. Simply, I, but that's how supplement industry works. Like we all probably heard about the Game Changer documentary Uh, on Netflix, right? Yeah. (laughs) We need to also think about who's behind it. So there's a lot of ups and downs and information creatine for me is one of the safest probably supplement ever had because there's so many studies so many like 
is probably the most studied supplement in the world. Mm -hmm. There's plenty, like you, you. Yeah, it's, it's a very individual thing. There's a great podcast I did on protein supplements with Craig Burton, and you can go listen to that podcast. He had great advice when to use it, if you use it, if you do, what you should look for, et cetera, et cetera. So I have to say it's for my clients in general, um, protein powders are there to fill the gaps when they just don't feel like eating chicken for breakfast or they don't, or they want to maybe lower their animal protein intake, but they still need the protein. So they feel like better going with a vegan or pea protein or something. So um, there's a case, there's a point in time, place for everything, but I'm going to have to let you go now. But um, Magdalena, I recommend oh. you get in touch with Andrea on Instagram to continue the conversation. Um, I definitely want to have a second, a part two, because I think we need to talk about food and, and training as yeah, well. Yeah, there's so much. Would there you, is so much. Yeah, would, so would you be up for that? <laughs> Absolutely. Look, it's, it's a topic that it will just, if I can help, it will be more than happy. It's, I want to see women being happy. Excellent. Okay. And we'll get Magdalena to spread the word for this too, because she has a, a really great audience <laughs> to follow her too. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your information, your knowledge. It was way too short. Absolutely. I'm looking forward Thank to, you. yeah, I'm looking forward to a part two. Thank you, Magdalena, for joining us too. And we'll see you next time. Take Thank care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.